Hello and welcome to the PLUS podcast. To celebrate the International Year of Astronomy 2009, we'll be holding a series of online polls to find out what you'd like to know most about the universe. The first poll has now closed, and the most popular question was what happened before the Big Bang? Rachel Thomas put this question to John D. Burrow, renowned cosmologist, prolific author, and professor of mathematical sciences at the University of Cambridge. Here is his answer. So the term Big Bang and Big Bang Theory of the Universe has several layers of meaning. What most astronomers mean by referring to a Big Bang Theory of the Universe is simply the idea that the universe is expanding as Hubble first discovered. So distant galaxy clusters are moving away from one another with ever-increasing speeds. And this implies that in the past, things were closer together, more compressed, hotter and denser. And so this overall picture of a universe that in the past was much denser and hotter than it is today, and will be even less hot and dense in the future, this is what people generally mean by the Big Bang picture of the universe. Now within that picture, there are all sorts of other options. It could be that if you keep going back into the past, following the universe to early and earlier times, when it's getting hotter and denser, that you reach some special time when, if you believe your equations, the density will be infinite and the temperature will be infinite. And if you do that with Einstein's theory of gravity, that occurs only 13.7 billion years ago. That's very striking because you can walk around in places in Scotland and Scandinavia and pick up rocks that are 4 billion years old. Um, and we believe the whole solar system is only about 4.6 billion years old. So we're saying that just a uh, little more or so than three times that age, uh, there wouldn't be any universe at all. So we're really apparently very close to what seems to be a beginning uh, of everything. Well, that's where you start to, to worry, because this having a prediction that something is infinite uh, often signals to scientists that what's happening is that not that something's really become infinite, the universe had a beginning, but the theory that you're using to make that prediction uh, has sort of reached the limits of its applicability. If you were working in aerodynamics and you wanted to predict how fast an airflow would go um, with a very simple model ignoring the friction of the air, you might predict that something would change infinitely quickly in a finite time. But no aerodynamicist would believe that that was really the prediction of the theory. They would take that prediction as a signal that you need to go back to square one and make the model a little bit better, uh, introduce the friction of the air or something like that. And then when you resolve the equations, you'll find that things change very, very quickly, but not infinitely quickly. So what cosmologists uh, work very keenly on today is to try to explore whether there's uh, an extension of Einstein's theory of gravity, one which can include quantum theory, uh, 
which gives a more accurate description of this apparent beginning to the universe. A beginning that some people call the Big Bang, as opposed to the Big Bang Theory. And nobody agrees on exactly how to do this. It's right on the edge of current research. One of the things that we do in this department at Cambridge. And there are some uh, theories of how this should be done that predict that the universe doesn't hit a beginning at all. But if you follow it backwards, it bounces almost like a ball into a, a previous state which would have been contracting. So it has a cyclic behaviour. It, it contracts, bounces into expansion. Maybe in the future it will one day contract again and bounce again. Or maybe it won't contract in the future. It will just keep on going forever. The other possibility is that it begins in some rather uninteresting state that's not expanding at all. And then through quantum fluctuations, it starts to expand. So it's as though it's stationary, and then it suddenly starts to expand. So in that scenario, the expansion has a beginning, but the universe doesn't necessarily have a beginning. Much more exotic possibilities have come to light uh, in the last 10 years. And they're usually associated with the idea of a multiverse, that in some sense our universe might be one of many possible universes, or more accurately, that our part of the universe is behaving differently to other parts of the universe. So you imagine that you have an expanding universe which is expanding in very different ways in different places. And in some places it's rather cool, like the bit that we live in, but elsewhere it may be much hotter. And some parts it may be collapsing rather than expanding. And if the universe is infinite, there's no end to the amount of variation that's possible. And what has emerged from this type of scenario is that um, there's a, a theory called the inflationary universe which explains rather well why our universe has many of the properties that we see it to have. And all this inflationary universe theory requires is that in the past of our universe, in the very, very distant past, there was a short period of time when the expansion accelerated. And this has all sorts of consequences. It makes the expansion uh, very, very close to the rate that we see today. It can generate lots of the little fluctuations and differences in density and temperature that we also see today, and some of which turn into galaxies and stars. So this is a nice theory. It makes rather definite predictions about the pattern of those fluctuations. So we can test it by observation using satellites. And it's passed all the tests that we've set it so far. It's very good agreement between observation and theory. But then there is an extension of this theory that's much more controversial. And that very early on, when this little burst of acceleration took place, in other parts of the universe, that burst could have taken place differently. 
And so if we could see far enough in our universe, we would eventually find its character to change and we would find other regions with very different density, different structure to what we see in our own neighbourhood. And our neighbourhood is something that's 14 billion light years in size. But if we kept on going, we can't see any further at the moment, but if we could, we would expect to find a situation that was eventually very different. Now the next aspect of this that was discovered is that this, uh, this surging of the expansion early on tends to create conditions within each piece of the universe for this process to be self-perpetuating. So a region will surge and then within it there is another little piece of it which suddenly starts to surge again. It's like a foam of bubbles where each bubble then creates some more bubbles that expand some more. And you should think of each bubble in the foam as being rather like the whole of our visible part of the universe today. So we're sitting in one of the bubbles of the foam. And if we could go far enough and get outside our bubble, we would run into another bubble in the foam where things are different. And what's been discovered about this, which is rather... Uh, shocking in some ways, is that the whole process of making the foam of bubbles and continuing to make more bubbles out of the foam, this process doesn't need to have a beginning or an end. And the equations that describe it predict that it doesn't have an end and almost certainly doesn't have a beginning. But each bubble, like the one we're in, has a beginning. Uh, it may have an end or it may not. So suddenly the question, did the universe have a beginning, has got a slightly more complicated answer. That in this multiverse picture of the universe, as a great foam of different bubbles, the region that we can see uh, appears to have had a beginning. It may be a rather complicated type of beginning, quantum fluctuation of some sort. But the whole foam of all the different regions, the whole process, doesn't need to have a beginning. So it's almost like you, uh, if you look at something like the, the human race, for example, each individual has a particular finite lifetime. But the age of the race as a whole is something that's much longer. We know it's not infinitely old, but it might be infinitely uh, old to the future. So this is the new possibility that's emerged, that we have to distinguish our part of the universe that we can see, uh, and we have to take seriously the prediction that eventually the universe becomes very different if we go far enough away. It becomes very different in space, its geography is very different. And also if we follow it backwards in time, history is very complicated. Our part of the universe may have a beginning sort of a big bang but the whole process of the, of the bubble production of different regions need not have a beginning so what was before uh, the apparent beginning of our bit of the universe uh, there would have been a foam as it were of these bubbles that was missing our bubble but had many other ones that may be very different in structure um, 
So it might have always existed in some form. Is this the model that you think is the most likely explanation? Yes, you remember what I said, that we, <clears throat> we have very good observational uh, probes and tests of whether the bit of the universe that we can see inside our horizon has undergone this inflationary surge in its expansion in the past. And the observations fit rather well with the predictions, extremely well. So we have some confidence that our bit of the universe underwent this, this surge in expansion. Now then as a byproduct of this theory, it was pointed out that it's really inevitable that other places should have undergone this type of behaviour, but it'll be a bit different because things just are roughly a little bit different because of statistics and fluctuations. And then it was so and then it was pointed out that this self-reproducing property uh, that creates the foam, that this is inevitable. So if a region undergoes this surge of expansion, it automatically creates within itself the conditions for some of its subregions to undergo further inflation. So so this was something that people didn't go out looking for, but Alex Valenkin and Andre Linde working in America, both found this phenomena to be a consequence of this simple model. And there's only some sorts of bubble that we could exist in. So bubbles that only last for a second uh, are no good. We could only be in one of the bubbles that's really rather long-lived, that lasts for at least about 10 billion years uh, and so gets very big because you need that amount of time for stars to form and stars to provide elements like carbon and nitrogen and oxygen in order to make something complicated like life. So there are only some of the bubbles that we could expect to find ourselves living in. We're not going to live in bubbles where the temperature never get, never falls below 3,000 degrees. So we have to be in rather large bubbles that are rather old. Um, they've cooled off a lot, so they are rather dark, they're rather cold. Um, and so there's a, an interesting ongoing problem that's unsolved to try to work out the probability that you'll get bubbles with particular characteristics you know so what's the likelihood that you get a big old bubble of the sort that you need for life so is it fantastically improbable is it really fairly probable or is it just sort of in between um, so this is one of these problems that will probably be solved so it, it's really a mathematical problem of trying to formulate probability in this rather complicated situation The other um, interesting question about this is we said that you can test by observation whether the bubble we're living in inflated in the past. But then some people worry, how could we ever test whether all these other bubbles exist? We can't see them. Okay, you know, it's this is almost like a philosophical or type of science fiction scenario. So if we can't see them, you know, should we allow this to be part of the scientific picture of the universe? Uh, 
And I think an interesting thing to say about that um, that goes back to Karl Popper and other philosophers of science. And you remember there was in the 1930s a great debate about whether the philosophy of science ought to be based upon verification. So you make a prediction and then you test by experiment, you try and verify the theory. And that really went out of favour. Um, philosophers like Popper focused attention upon falsification. You see, you can never be sure whether uh, if your, your theory predicts that all apples are green, just because you always find green apples doesn't mean that there's not another rather different theory making the same prediction. So you might not be verifying quite the same theory that you thought you were. But at least if you're falsifying things, so if your theory predicts all apples are green, you'll find a red one. So that theory is ruled out. Maybe lots of others ruled out. So I think what could happen here is, suppose you have a theory which predicts that there are all these different bubbles, you know, in like different universes. And if there are different bubbles, then in each one of them, there ought to be a particular observable feature. Okay, you know, so it might be that the rate of expansion of the universe has to be accelerating. Cosmological constant has to be positive in each of them. And then if you didn't observe that to be true in our bubble, that theory would be falsified. So it's possible that a theory that predicts that all the other bubbles, all these bubbles exist, makes predictions of something that should be occurring in every bubble that we don't see, in which case we could rule the theory out. So although we can't see the other bubbles, I think it's quite conceivable that we would be able to test the theory that there are other bubbles, because it has things to say about our bubble. So that's probably the best that you can, you can hope for. Well, we hope that answers all your questions. We also asked Burrow what he, as a cosmologist, would himself most like to know about the universe. And this is what he had to say. Well, as I mentioned just now, we discovered only a few years ago for the first time that the today the universe is accelerating, its matter is accelerating. And this is the behaviour uh, it would have had during that early stage of inflation, this surge of expansion. So it's almost as though the universe is... Uh, inflating again. And this surge of acceleration began about four and a half billion years ago. Coincidentally, not very different from the time when the solar system formed. Um, it was lucky it didn't begin, begin accelerating much earlier, or there wouldn't be any galaxies or stars or solar systems. So the big mystery for everyone in cosmology today is why did the universe start accelerating at that time? Um, and what is the, the form of energy in the universe that we call dark energy that's responsible for that? It's a form of energy that has a repulsive gravitational effect. And this is clearly what's happening in the universe today. But we've no idea what the exact identity is of this dark energy and why it's come into play late in the history of the universe. 
If it's always going to be around, the universe will just keep accelerating forever. It will never recollapse. There won't be a, a sort of a big crunch in the future. The universe will just keep getting cooler and more and more boring and everything will eventually die out. Uh, so it's a really rather crucial question for what the future of the universe is to identify this stuff, this dark energy. And this brings us to the end of the PLUS podcast on what happened before the Big Bang. You can read more in the accompanying article called What Happened Before the Big Bang on the PLUS website at plus.maths.org. And watch out for further opportunity to ask experts what you'd like to know most about the universe.